uh, she taught me a lesson. Turn to Matthew 9. If you don't have a Bible, got put him here. I want you to see it. And as you're seeing it, let me just say, what if? What if parents help their kids dream in real ways? What if churches did that? What if churches did spiritual gifts inventories, not for the church, but for the people? Sometimes when we do spiritual inventories for congregations, it's so that we can get find people to teach Sunday school, so that we can find ushers, so that we can get people to come out on Saturday and because they're electricians. What if we did inventories so that we could help them walk into their destiny? What if instead of being a program-based church, we were passion-based? Oh, that's an interesting idea. And if their passions, your passions, became our program, that would change the life of the church, I'm convinced. Because there are two kinds of leaders, primarily. There's the kind of leader, and this, you read it in the books on leadership. I've read them. They're good books. If you're a leader and you turn around, you don't have any followers, you're just out taking a walk. You know, that, that you don't have anybody following you. A leader has followers. That's what it sounds like the word leader means. But there's another way to look at leadership. And Bill Eason says this in this really good book, quoting, quoting Bill Eason, <laughs> says some significant things to ministers about releasing the dreams of others. Most books on leadership refer to leader and followers, right? The more followers a leader has, the more effective they are considered to be. Most authors also suggest that effective leaders get other people to adopt their vision and mission. I want to suggest another way to look at leadership. Contrary to what normally is taught, leadership is not about getting followers to do what the leader wants. Leadership is helping others achieve their potential. Do I hear an amen? That's what leadership is. We need less strategic plans and more awesome dreamers. We need fewer laity who do ministry because their pastor needs help and more laity who do ministry because this is their passion. I really agree with him. And I used to be a visionary leader who had people following me, but more and more I've come to realize that what my calling is not to have, have people follow my vision, it's to find out what vision is in your heart and your heart and release that because that's just what Jesus did. Turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to look at that. This excites me. I don't know if you can tell. <coughs> chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man. Say, he saw a man. Other people didn't see Matthew. They didn't want to see Matthew. They weren't concerned about Matthew. They didn't even see him. Did the Levite and the priest see that victim on the side of the road? I don't think they did. I think if they really had seen him, I think they might have stopped. Naomi and I were at Target. For me, it was get in and get out. Listen, I often go 
And, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I want to be available. I didn't say that that day. I wasn't thinking of people. I, don't, I missed it. And so we're, we're walking through the check register. I didn't see the check register lady. She did. She said, I like your scarf. I thought that was a nice thing to say. Then she said, do you know Jeremy? <laughs> See, she's stopping. She saw that lady. There are other people here besides you here today. I want you to know there's other people. You don't know what's inside of them. Maybe God wants you to find out. Maybe you're the one that's going to help them take the next step. Maybe they're struggling and you don't know it because they're smiling. I want to see people like Jesus saw people. He saw Matthew. Others didn't see Matthew. They didn't care about Matthew. They couldn't care less. Well, they could have. They, they hated him. And Jesus saw him. I want to read something about seeing people. It's really important to see people. An anonymous poem left by an elderly lady who died in a small hospital in Scotland. What do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you're looking at me? A crabby old woman, not very wise, uncertain of habit with faraway eyes, who dribbles her food and makes no reply. When you say in a loud voice, I do wish you'd try, who seems not to notice the things that you do, and forever is losing a stocking or shoe, who resisting or not lets you do as you will with bathing and feeding the long day to fill. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you see? Then open your eyes, nurse. You're not looking at me. I'll tell you who I am as I sit here so still, as I do at your bidding, as I eat at your will. I'm a small child of 10 with a father and mother, brothers and sisters who love one another, a young girl of 16 with wings on her feet, dreaming that some now will, a lover will meet. A bride soon at 20, my heart gives a leap, remembering the vows that I promised to keep. At 25 now, I have young of my own who need me to guide in a secure, happy home. A woman of 30, my young now grown fast, bound to each other with ties that should last. At 40, my young sons have grown and are gone but my man's beside me to see I don't mourn. At 50, once more babies play around my knee. Again, I know children, my loved ones and me. Dark days are upon me, my husband is dead. I look at the future, I shudder with dread. For my young ones are all tearing, rearing young of their own, and I think of the years and the love that I've known. I'm now an old woman, and nature is cruel. Tis just to make old age look like a fool. The body, it crumbles grace and vigor depart. There is now a stone where I once had a heart, but inside of this old carcass a young girl still dwells, and now and again my battered heart swells. I remember the joys, I remember the pain, and I'm loving and living life over again. I think of the years all too few, gone too fast, and accept the stark fast that nothing will last. So open your eyes, nurses open and see, not a crabby old woman. Look closer. See me. Jesus, help us to see people. 
not make assumptions, <coughs> not presume to know, but to see people. Jesus saw a man named Matthew. Was Matthew living his dream? No Jew would wish to be a tax collector. You committed social suicide by being a tax collector and spiritual suicide because you're a reject. And the only friends you have are other rejects. Tax collectors are sinners. So it says here, Jesus saw a man named Matthew. See, he had a name. He had a history. He also had a destiny, but he wasn't living it. He was far from it. And unlikely that he would. Sitting at the tax collector's booth. Hated by everyone, I guarantee you, who walked by. Follow me. Two words from Jesus. It's a shock that Jesus chose him. It's a greater shock. What? He got up. He left the table. And he walked into his destiny. And we've got a book to prove it. A, a book written by a guy named Matthew, who was not going to walk into his destiny, but because Jesus believed in him, he walked into his destiny. As a young pastor, I felt that people believed in me. As I look back now, I try not to hold on to regrets because regret is emotion that doesn't go anywhere. But one regret I have is that I didn't believe in them as much as they believed in me. Now I do that. Now I believe in people. I believe in you. I believe in you moving toward your destiny. I believe in you, Levi. I believe in you, Robert. I believe in you, Stephen. I believe in you, Sarah. I know that God's going to help you walk into your God-appointed destiny. It was so kind for Jesus to call Matthew. And in that call, there was a promise. You will walk in to your destiny. And it's far greater than you could possibly imagine. That Matthew would write a book that 2,000 years later would be read and memorized by people around the world. That's incredible. That's off the chart. But see, you have something that you need to fulfill just as Brian does, who's sitting there wondering without a clue and is probably going to miss his destiny just like you probably will if you're a statistic. Like we said last week, Oliver Wendell Holmes, most people die with the music still inside of them. So it's a job of leaders not to get people to follow them. That's not my job. I don't care about that anymore. I used to feel that was pretty important. I'm a visionary. I knew I always had vision. But my vision now is to do what I can to help you. And that's why we're in a little bit. We're going to start sharing some more. We're writing them down. We're praying them. And we want to do what we can to help you walk into your destiny. I was at a church in Latvia. It was a small church. It was a Baptist church. There were 30 people who came out. And I said, you, this, could be, this is a puny little group, isn't it? Just a group of 30 people. I said, what if only half of you, what if only half of you knew what your destiny was? 
say, I asked him, and I, I got different responses. So one wanted to work with youth. Okay, what if you released him to work with youth? And what if the guy that wants to work with couples and marriages that are broken up, what if that guy did that? What if this lady who wants to work with children at risk, that you released her to do that? And out of the 30, only 10, one-third, were walking into destiny. Would that be a flimsy little church with no ministry? That would be a powerful church. 10 out of 30. Well, what do we have? We have 40. What if half of the people here were helped to walk into their destiny? What if we help Maggie, who wants to care for the elderly? For the people 90 and over, you know that some of them need care. Some people don't see them. They're just waiting for them to die, not visiting them. What if we helped her visit them? And what if she fulfilled her destiny? I'd call that a ministry out of Lydia House. What if we helped Jeremy with youth? See, we're faci facilitating the dream of Bob and Linda. And I'm really proud of you the way you gave two weeks ago. It was giving beyond. And they were, they said they were blown away because they had money to buy their tickets. So we're helping to facilitate their dream. I'm proud of you. What if we did it for 15 or 20 more people in here? That's what I call passion-based ministry rather than program-based. Program-based is leaders decide what you need. I don't ask the question, what do we need? I ask the question, what do we have? It's a totally different question and a totally different way of doing ministry. I don't know of one church that does it. I don't know of one church that does it. I'd like to be a church that does that. And so I'm challenging you to prayerfully think about this and how we could be that church that releases its congregation into its destiny. And so then we'd say, well, do we have, what ministries do we have? Well. We have, we have a, a ministry of unity and prayer because we have Jeff. See, you have passion, you have people, and you don't have programs. Just a different way of looking at it. So here is Jesus. He says, follow me. What does he do? He looks past his faults to his future. What stops us is a Pharisaical out outlook that says that person can't do that. And the Pharisees, they showed up at the party just to say, no, that can't be done. Matthew doesn't have a destiny because he's an outcast. Jesus looks past that, and he believes in it. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in people? That was a question. Yes. You do? Can you, can you let them know that you believe in them by the things that you say to them? Absolutely, yeah. OK, honey. I know you do, Naomi. You're, you're way out in front of us. So he said, follow me. He followed him into his destiny. I love the change in scenery now. We had one verse where we're at the tax collector's office. Now we change. Verse 10. Somebody read verse 10. Don't you love that? I, I was talking to a guy here at Communitas one Tuesday night. He came up to the newbie, newbie meeting, and there were three of us. 
And as we're talking, he was crying. And he said, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to do to my wife what I'm doing to my wife. I, I want to live different. And so he, he repented. And I said, well, what about if we have a Matthew party? And he said, what's a Matthew party? I said, I'll bet you have friends that aren't in the family. And he said, yeah, I got lots of them. I said, what if you talked to them and said, hey, come on over. And we had a party, and we had some food, and then you give your testimony, I give a little word. And I was hoping that he would be able to do it. He didn't pull it off. I, I wish I could have said, and we did have the Matthew party. I'm still looking forward to that with having somebody here that has more friends out there than I do. I don't have enough friends in the world. I wish I had more friends. But some of you maybe do. And Matthew, he was so proud of what was happening in his life and so thankful for his new friend who believed in him that he wanted just to have his friends experience this. And so they came, and they experienced Jesus. And of course, the Pharisees, how did they all show up at these parties? They're hanging out <clears throat> just to, it, things get too, too fun, too excited. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? How would you have answered that question if you had been one of the disciples? Here's how Jesus answered it. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. There are basically two systems in operation. There's a merit system and there's a mercy system. The merit system says do the best you can, perform as well as you can. Anybody grow up with a merit system? A lot of us have grown up with a merit system and so Christianity means Either work as hard as you can, or at least look like you are. Look good, perform, try harder. That's we try harder methodology, and that's what the Pharisees. It wasn't enough that God gave laws; they added laws to that, and they made it oppressively hard to fulfill the requirements that this very difficult God, who's hard to please, put on them. And so you feel shame a lot. And you feel embarrassment because you're not doing it, but you're not going to share that with anybody else because they'll exclude you if they know what a failure you are. And then you come to discover that this is for failures, that this is for misfits, this is for outcasts, this is for people who don't succeed, and that's a totally different system. We'll call it the mercy system, where God shows his love and a care for you that's not your performance, it's the performance of the Son, Jesus Christ, who will put his record on your record and will give you a, get this, perfect score. You just got a perfect score. You are complete in Christ. That's what the name justification means. You get it. You get a good score. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm in. I'm a reject and I'm in. I'm a failure and I'm in. And I can still acknowledge that 
Because the more I do, it seems more grace comes. That's what the prodigal learned. The more he acknowledged his need, his weakness, the more the gifts came, the more the grace came. Well, meanwhile, the elder brother is out working in the field and trying his best. I've served you. I've slaved for you. All this time I've slaved for you. I've never disobeyed your command. I don't get anything from you. You've got it right. You've got the wrong system, man. You don't have a father. You have a boss. You're performing. You're trying to make it with God. But then when Matthew realizes, oh, I'm just the kind of person Jesus came for. I'll invite my friends and we'll have this wonderful party together. Let me peek at my notes and see if there's anything I want to say before we start sharing a little bit here. The best sermons are not preached, they're watched. By people who understand this. Matthew gets up, he invites his friends, they have a party, Jesus is having a good time. I, I would love to see this kind of grace operating among us so that we're releasing people into their destiny. And we don't do it all at once, of course we don't. And maybe 20 years before yours is released because that's God's timetable for you. So we'll prayerfully consider that. We want to take some time now just to share dreams. We've been doing it for the last, I believe, three weeks. And uh, if we don't get through you know, all of them today, should I take one over here, a mic? Okay. Not a time for everybody, but we've heard from some of you. We want to heard, hear from more of you. I see one coming. Line up here. Feel free. We'd like to hear what God put on your heart. Okay, what's your dream? I want to become an OBGYN. Oh, really? Yeah. And I had this dream since I was three. <laughs> <laughs> On the day we talk about it, the day she's sharing her dream. Um, it, it's taken me a long time to uh, kind of discover this because I come from a culture of a lot of performance and pressure. And so... Um, there was a lot of years where I doubted if this was my dream or if it was my parents' dream until um, God started shaping me into that path. I translated my mom's book. Um, it's titled The Woman and the Destiny of the Nation. And I did that when I was a teenager. I didn't really, I read the book obviously because I translated it, but it didn't really speak to me until much later that this was God preparing me to equip the women the destiny of the nation but it didn't make sense and so one time this is a big dream this is a big one so there was one time when i um i googled my name because my name is you know random letters <laughs> um <laughs> so i decided to just see what you know what google says my name means and i came up with a, a town in tibet um where women had were treated as sec second-class citizens and they were op under oppression and they had a protest 
and they lit themselves on fire um, one day all together as a form of protest for them to have um, better rights and and um, a better image in their society. And um, several years later, Niemo was uh, became a uh, the name of a Cambodian organization that helps women who are coming out of trafficking. <laughs> so um, slowly, God started, you know, started confirming that this is, you know, this is way after I was working at a birth center and um, after God had told me that I need to be an OBGYN. So that's when I was realizing, okay, this is what my name means on Google. Like, this is definitely from the Lord. And What's an OBGYN? An obstetrician, gynecologist. It's basically, I, I'll basically be catching babies, but what I want to do mostly <laughs> is, um, is really more counseling and empowering women in the birth experience because can you imagine what it would be like if women understood who they are and the position that the Lord is giving them in uh, life giving and just the circumstances during a birth and the basic needs that are met for a woman in labor. Imagine how that would translate in how the postpartum will be and how she raises her children and then eventually how those children turn out in a society setting. So a lot of things can be, there's the devil can be taken down once women discover why they're here. And um, it says that in Genesis when, um, when God said that the woman is going to crush the, the serpent's offspring. Yeah. That, that's exactly what it means that, you know, she's been given that responsibility. And for since creation, the woman has been under attack because of that reason, <laughs> because she has the power to, uh, you know, at a in the position of a mom is very, very strong and a threat to the devil. So for 3,000 years, women's uh, insecurity has been increased. And, you know, for a whole 3,000 years, their standards of beauty has, have changed like over 20 times, which is like every generation basically. And, and somebody, I read a quote online saying, if women woke up one day and decided to love themselves, the economy would crash basically because then Imagine how many things are driven wow. by. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> you, you're, f you're full. You're full up with this, aren't you? It's wonderful. Could we help her? Is there a way that we could help her? Sure. Can you tell me how to say your name? Niemo. Niemo. Okay, you said it a moment ago, but I wanna, I wanna pray it right yeah. too. Jesus, I praise you for your good work in Nemo's life. I praise you, Lord. We praise you and thank you for your faithfulness, your truth, and your grace in her life. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to nurture and strengthen the dreams in her heart. Water them, Lord. Protect them. Nurture them. Bring them to fruition. And Father, we do ask you to complete your good work in her life in working with women and babies. And Lord, you said in your word that you gently care for those that are with young. You are tender toward those who are with young. You, Father, are compassionate and merciful toward women and their babies. And Lord, I just ask you to 
to train Nemo for all that you have for her. Give her all the preparation, Lord, all of the opportunity, the resources, the money that she needs. And Lord, we pray you would just protect and nurture this dream and bring it to fruition, that she would be used by you to support women in caring for their children and in being just the godly moms that you want them to be. So if she's a part of our congregation at this point and people say, well, do you have a ministry to women? I'd say, well, we've got Niamo. <laughs> and she, she's called to that and we're going to help her walk into that. That's the way that I see this operating. That we want to encourage her. Now you know what her dream is. And she has opened her heart. She's become vulnerable like the others have who have shared. We're, by the way, we're going to put this stuff down on paper so you can see it, so you can be praying for people. That we want to pray for her. Now, don't be intimidated by her dream because it's not yours. <coughs> when Sarah, thank you, when Sarah shared her dream, the three-year-old, before she had shared her dream, her sister shared her dream. And uh, her dream, uh, she was a little older than Sarah, she was about 25, and her dream was to be a reconciler of the races. That's exactly how she said it. And I said, is that why you're in a black church in Chicago? And she said, yes. I said, you feel at home there? She said, yes. We didn't the first time, but after, after that, we were very much welcome. So how do you, how do you answer that dream? A reconciler of the races. God called her to work with World Vision. She is the first responder, travels the world, now living in Kenya with her family, travels the world. And I heard Karen screaming in the kitchen a few years back. And I said, well, I thought something was on fire. And she said, uh, Rachel is on the radio. We've heard her on the radio come on public because she does that. The director of World Vision said, if you ever think of retiring, Talk to me first, <laughs> because she's such, she's a she's a woman with authority and a voice around the world, and she had that dream. And how is she possibly going to fulfill it? No way. There's no no way she could. But God put it in her heart, and God will put something in your heart if you haven't already. So if God's put something, if you haven't, don't worry about it. It's more important to be obedient to the Lord and walk in obedience to him than to know what your dream is. I didn't know the, with clarity what my dream was. David, what's your? Yes, sir. It's, <laughs> it's, it's David's birthday? It, it is, it Whoa. is. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. May Jesus bless you. May Jesus bless you. Cool. All right. Thanks for sharing your birthday with us. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Thank you. What's your dream? That helps. Um, so <coughs> I have a heart for actual people who profess Christ with their mouths and deny him with their lifestyles. Um, and so it's just so easy for me to seek these people out in the church, you know, church-going Christians, because... 
you know, I was one of them. You know, that's part of my testimony. I grew up in a legalistic church, and it was a works-based, uh, you know, denomination. And so what that did with me is it just made me really proud. And to me, I was a good person. I was able to compare myself with other people. And Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that if it's performance-based, yeah. you get into comparing. And you have a scorecard. You keep score. But you have to if it's performance-based because you want to look if you're not doing good, at least you want to look good. Right. And so, you know, obviously I never understood the gospel. I never understood how desperately I needed a Savior. And I never understood grace. I just never understood the gospel. And so, <coughs> um, and this is a hard ministry <laughs> with a lot of these people. It's very difficult because they are very proud. And so you have to be loving. You have to walk that fine line of loving and truth. Um, but, uh, but to really understand your desperate need for Savior and to, and that's when, you know, to me, that's when Jesus becomes precious and that's when you know you're saved and, and when you're born again. And so I like to ask people about their faith and I like to dig a little deeper and, uh, and just really see people fall in love with Jesus and actually be born again and walk in grace and love and all the power <laughs> that comes with that. And because uh, my heart just goes out to the church, I guess. And so um, also, pretty, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Is that needed? Is this needed? And to see, you know, and to, and to really plow and make soil good, you know, because when I read the parables, of Jesus, it just to m he's talking to the church in a lot of those <laughs> parables, you know, and and they're very scary. Um, mm. But he did it in such a loving way that he just drew people. I mean, he was just man, he was incredible. And so, um, I do need prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so you have Dave squared. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good barbecue place. <laughs> so we pray for David. I pray that, you know, I think of his name, and, and my name too means beloved. God, I pray that in his heart, your love would just ooze from him. I think of you, Jesus, in your heart, that you... You drew people to you because of your love. And I do pray for his heart. He has a, a good heart and a good mission, and it is really hard ground. But, God, I pray that you would pave the way before him, that you can prepare people's heart who he meets, that that truth and love and grace would just flow through him from his mouth, and that he would impact people's lives to have that close relationship with you. I pray that, you know, a banner over him would be love and that the first love would be for you, Jesus, and that the people he would meet would also fall deeply in love with you. Amen. Dave, we'd like to help you walk into that destiny because that's so important. 
And so we, uh, could someone be taking notes now and hand it to me afterwards of the, the uh, dreams that are shared? Uh, we missed one week, so we're going to have to recover that one. Are you looking for paper? Can you do that? So we got Dave and Nemo so far. And we'll see which way Andrew goes now. He's trying to get by. But Bob is a, is he trying to be a dream buster? Well, my name is Andrew, if anyone here doesn't know me. Hello, Levi. Uh, but I guess I don't exactly know what my dream is, but some things that I guess God has given me a heart for uh, for a while as just people who, I guess, struggle emotionally or are emotionally broken just through growing up uh, with my mom has some things that she's gone through and then things in my own life uh, and so just really I would say for people who are emotionally broken and for people who just don't have uh, things not necessarily just emotionally but I would say like people who are poor or things like that so over the last mm, maybe four or five years I would say God's been putting that uh, in my heart more and I spent I think it was three no it's more than that four years ago I was in Tanzania for a summer and God really worked on my heart uh, for people who were poor there and just seeing people who are just in really difficult circumstances really kind of grabbed I guess at my heart a lot and so I'd say those are the main things for me. What makes you sad? What makes you mad? What makes you glad? Y he just told us. And isn't it interesting that God often uses the sorrows of our heart? Divorced people can understand divorced people best. Adopted people can understand adopted people. So he's using something that could be pa very painful and maybe at times embarrassing to bring help to other people. Someone come up and pray for me. We'll, uh, we'll do some tag team. Uh, wow, look at this. Yeah, we got quite a few people. All right, I'll, uh, I'll pray. Thank you, Father, for Andrew and his heart and his, his passion uh, to reach out to hurting people. And I, I, I praise you for um, just for bringing redemption to his life and also bringing redemption to others that you can use our sufferings uh, to, to further meet the needs of others. And I just pray that you'll give him, uh, while he's in the season of rest and restoration in his own life, I pray that you would continue to stir his passion, that he wouldn't lose sight of what, what he does he ultimately wants to do. Uh, even through seminary, Father, I pray you'd teach him to become uh, to have a pastor heart in seminary that he'd really authentically care for people and and start to see the areas in which they're wounded and uh yeah i pray that you just continue to work that in him in Jesus name. dear heavenly father this man this young man andrew uh, my wife and i have watched him for a long time now and this is a guy you could look at and just see yourself jesus christ he's just a mirror of you 
Get a look in his eyes, he's just pure. He's got a big smile. He's like a cool pool that people can just jump in and relax. And he's just like a, a, a magnet of love. He just People are drawn to him. And Lord, he just has open arms for everybody. And, and it's so obvious, and he seeks no, no credit for it. So I praise you, Lord, for your work in this young man. That, and it must be so fun for, for the Father, for Father God, to see someone that looks just so much like your son walking around down here. And I pray for a huge blessing on him, Lord, and that lives will be changed as, as just by the power of the love that he gives to everybody. In Jesus' name. to stand with you on that one, Andrew. I was in Norway, and I was walking by a table. There was a girl sitting at the table. Her name was Veronica. I said, Veronica, what's your dream? And she said to build homes in Mexico. I said, whoa, where'd you get that? We went to Mexico, and I saw the poverty. I said, how many homes? She said, 400. I said, how is an 18-year-old girl going to build 400 homes? She said, I don't know, but uh, we've got one donation of $120,000 from a Norwegian. God was supporting her dream. So when you get a dream, it's not about money. It's about faith. It's about what God puts in your heart. And where there is vision, there will be provision. Ask Nehemiah. He had everything he needed. He opened the... He opened the door, and the king came through, and you could have driven a Mack truck through that open door because God provided for it. So who's next to share a dream? Stephen. What's your dream, young man? Family ministry. Okay, come over toward me, with me. <laughs> oh, there you are. All right, I'm good. Hi. What do you want to do? Uh, we going to hold a mic? Oh, you can hold it. I'll hold it. We can both hold it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Steven, uh, and uh, I really, really deeply feel that I want to get into family ministry because let you in on what just happened recently. Um, my grandfather died uh, probably seven months ago from cancer, multiple myeloma, mm -hmm. and uh, my mom's cousin, my Aunt Janine, uh, she froze herself to death outside so she commits suicide and it's it hurts and not only that but like there's constant blame and shame in my on my mom's side of the family and now my dad my biological dad is facing blame and shame himself too and doesn't know whether to like put that blame into other people or to keep continuously feel this blame and shame so like I just I honestly feel like I need to like like, you know, it's a, it actually happened uh, a couple of weeks ago here at Communitas when we do these these Thursday men's groups and women's groups, too. And, uh, like, it really impacted me that I just wanted to, you know, hopefully get married someday. I don't know when, 30, 40 years old. And then, you know, during that time period, just to be involved with family ministry. And can you guys hear me, too? Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just really want to... No, for sure, this is a calling. This is a really big dream, and I just definitely need prayer and encouragement and, and affirmation. I think that's how you say it. So, yeah. 
You bless us, Stephen. Someone come up and pray for Stephen for what God's put on his heart. Father, we thank you for Stephen and just how this things, thing works is that we receive the healing and the understanding that comes with the healing and then we release it into others. And uh, we just thank you for Stephen's heart, God. We thank you for his tenderness. We thank you for how far you've brought him. We love him and, uh, and appreciate him. And I pray for continued healing for him, God, that you would just um, break off the the bad stuff that he inherited through his family and just bring good stuff from your family, God. Just restoration and joy and um, open doors for him that he'd be able to release that even into his own family and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Wonderful to, to hear. Who else wants to share? Okay. Karen and Annie Rosa. Come on up, Annie Rosa. Mm -hmm. um, this is something I've really been thinking about a lot lately because I feel like a lot of my dreams have been lost, but a lot of them have come forth. So when I was five, I was called to be, you know, I was, I knew I was called to be a missionary, specifically in Tanzania and Africa. Um, and that dream came true about four years ago. And I so wanted to stay because I had lived in South Africa previously. And the Lord was like, come home. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll come home. So when you were talking about obedience, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm walking in obedience, but I'm not sure where to go yet. And so my heart is for children and for those that are less fortunate. So wherever the Lord takes that, and I always wanted to like, work at a camp for kids who have been hurt or like the really poor ones I used to work with at risk kids and just a place where they can go, feel safe, and walk in that freedom. So whatever the Lord does with that, I don't know, but that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> Do you see it here or overseas or does it matter? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so it's kids, broken kids mainly, mm -hmm. or just all kinds of kids? or. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I know her. I know this is what she carries. So, someone come and pray for Kara. So, do we have a kids ministry? Well, we've got Kara. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Kara. Thank you for her heart that really wants to minister um, to yours. Father, I just thank you for her tenderness. I thank you for her love um, that just doesn't have any boundaries, that she is just um, a, an offering before you, Father. I pray, um, God, that you would continue to give her direction, continue to um, be her guide. And Father, we just we say that we love her. We love Kara. We love the, the passions and the dreams that you have put in her heart. And so, Father, I just call that forth. I thank you for the dreams, the visions that you've put inside of her heart. And God, we just bless her in your name. And God, we, we say that we, we agree with her, we stand beside her, and we um, just encourage her to go forth and say, God, you're, you're great, and, and we love Carrie, and we want to see her come into her full destiny. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So keep in mind now, uh, there, there is a, a process some dreams may be imminent, others may be down the way. We don't know, 
I don't know, you don't know. And so we pray it, we take a season to pray it. And after we pray it, we say it. What people are doing now, they're saying it, they're sharing it. Sometimes saying it brings a uh, camaraderie, others identify with it. We had that when uh, Hannah, first shared her dream at Communitas for uh, sexually trafficked women and there were about four or five that shared that and that is being fulfilled. Uh, We weigh it. Some of us pay it and then initially, uh, eventually, then we obey it. Who's next? Okay. Hello. It takes a lot of courage to stand in front of people because I don't like standing in front of people. Um, uh, (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I've always really loved to um, cook and feed people, and it's been something that I really enjoy doing. I get a lot of satisfaction. We enjoy receiving that (laughs) blessing, too. (laughs) I get a lot of satisfaction after. seeing people like enjoy a meal and the community that happens around sharing a meal with people um, and I've always loved cooking I was going to go to school to do cooking but then um, a lot of other stuff happened where Jesus wanted to hijack my life and love me and all that fun stuff um, so that was great um, but now it's something that I really um, still enjoy doing um, and more recently I guess a couple of years ago I was driving downtown with my sister and her husband and I noticed um, under some bridges downtown that there was a lot of homeless people sleeping down there and living down there Um, and I feel like um, one of the things that I would really like to do is to have a place for them to go and be warmed and filled and to be able to um, really take care of them and like give them a place where they could be safe and like I guess I just imagine it in my head as like a little coffee shop where they could come and get like coffee or free tea, free pastries, free soup, free bread, free everything, and just be taken care of because nobody takes care of the least of them. Does that sound anywhere near like the heart of God? A dream that's from the Lord is a reflection of the character of God. Uh, This this truly reflects like all the others we have heard. I have heard some dreams where I, I wa- was doing this and some people shared some things that, that I couldn't see the relationship to a, a good and mighty God, but it's obvious here, isn't it? So someone come and pray for Anna Rosa. And a dream like this really calls for prayer, discernment on, on how how this is going to take place, uh, what what avenues, because there can be a, a, a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so for her to know what God's telling her to do, that will take real... Sorry. Take this one. You're not scared to speak in front of people anymore, <laughs> are you? Heavenly Father, we just come before you to bless Anna Rosa on her um, assignment. It's not only a dream, but an assignment. And uh, we just pray that you have all avenues, all doors, and all connections 
in order to fulfill her assignment as 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 an instructor as a drill instructor sends out his uh his sergeant or his his soldiers out to complete a mission well all the resources are there we just have to pull it reach into the toolbox and pull the right one out because he is the provider he provides that toolbox so that we can just open that toolbox and get what we need to accomplish your mission and our uh, and to fulfill our dream which brings all the joy and incitement and excitement to accomplish it heavenly father i just pray for the heart of anna rosa lord that you continue to uh provide her just the desire to help people lord and the least of people lord as your word says that we we provide we when we serve one another it's serving you lord and the desire to serve you by far passes everything lord lord i just pray for her dream to come true and her assignment to be complete and that we check in in a few years and see if that has come to pass in jesus name we pray amen 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 well this has been a wonderful morning and thank you for those who have shared and uh Bob's on next week, and you can decide whether there'll be more sharing. Uh, We're going to do it. More sharing. More sharing. We'd like to hear, if, if it's hard for you to come up and you want to share it individually with one of us or email it, you could do it that way as well. We do want to take these seriously. However, we want to be praying them with you. We want to walk together, and some will be imminent. Like I said, with Bob and Linda, it was imminent. You gave an offering to help them get there and fulfill what God had called them to do. I doubt if Bob and Linda knew that. Maybe they did, uh, but I, d uh, I don't remember that they said that they knew that as children. Some of you uh, had your dream revealed to you as a child. Others, it may not come till later in life. So that's not the important issue. It's important that you're walking in obedience to a good, kind father, and you're operating under the mercy system rather than the merit system. So I'm going to speak a blessing over you, and then you're free to hang out uh, or to go when you need to. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.